Dear Lord, we, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, at this moment, we pray that that sharp sword will penetrate into our hearts, into our minds, and take away the things that need to be taken and replace it with more beautiful things, things from heaven, things that will help us to understand a little bit more about you and the plans that you have for our lives and the important theme, the topic of your second coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so we're going to go straight in because our time is very limited. So, the sermon, if you want to put it a title, the sermon is called, is entitled Two Groups. How many groups? Two groups. And if you go from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you're going to see this trend of two groups. For instance, Cain and Abel. For instance, the sons of God and the sons of men. For instance, Noah inside the ark and the others outside the ark. <laughs> you have Abraham as a faithful servant of God and everyone else. And you have the Israelites in Egypt and the Egyptians. And so on and so on and so on. You have, you have Daniel and his friends and everyone else. You have Jesus and his disciples and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of those people. And then you get, for example, to the book of Revelation and you get those who have the mark of the beast and those who have the seal of God. You have those who follow the beast and those who follow the commandments of God. And then when, after the thousand years, when we get down to this earth and then there are those inside the city and those outside the city. Those who are killed by fire and those who are not killed by fire. Do you see the trend? Two groups. Interestingly enough, in Matthew chapter 24, there's an interesting question I just read. The question is, what is the sign? What is the sign of your second coming? When will these things be? Because Jesus said, you see the temple? And no stone shall be left one upon the other. So the disciples ask a question. What is the sign of your second coming? So everything from this point onwards that Jesus says is relating to what? Come on, talk to me. Is relating to second coming. And probably most of you know, I hope you know, because we don't have time to read the, the entire um, sermon that Jesus delivers at this point, but the entire thing is about Jesus' second coming, as well as the destruction of Jerusalem. So there's a parallel prophecy. The point that we need to first understand that this is a parallel prophecy. He alternates between the destruction of Jerusalem and the second coming. But interestingly enough, when we get to the end of, of chapter 24, we're not going to talk about the, the signs. We're going to talk about something else that Jesus says after the signs. So if we get, for example, to um, 
Verse 37. What does he say? Verse 37. Matthew 24. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. So there is a shift after some, after Jesus t tells this parallel prophecy, destruction of Jerusalem and second coming, there is a shift. And now he starts talking only about his second coming. He puts destruction of Jerusalem aside, and now he starts talking about second coming only. Is that clear? We could develop this a bit further, but we, is not the point of the moment. The point of the moment is that from this moment onwards, everything is about the second coming. Okay? Verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Which day? The day of his second coming. Now, when Jesus starts explaining a little bit more about the second coming, he uses five parables. How many parables? Five. And in each of these five parables, we will find a trend. Guess what that trend is? Two groups. How many? Two groups. Five parables, one trend, two groups. One message. Be ready. Be ready for what? Jesus' second coming. So this is what we are going to try to scrutinize a little bit. Five parables, two groups, one message. Be ready for Jesus' second coming. Is that clear? So that's what we're going to try to do a little bit. We'll see how, how things develop. Because we have a lot of ground to cover. So let's start, for example, in verse... Verse 41. Verse 41. So we get the context. Two, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. When? At Jesus' second coming. 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. The context is clear. Jesus' second coming. Yes? So we don't know at which hour he is going to come. 43. But this, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken in two. So the first parable, I'm going to tell them all to you now, the first parable is the parable of the thief in the night. What is it? The thief in the night. We don't know the hour that he is coming. The second one is the parable of the faithful and unfaithful servant. The third parable is the parable of the ten virgins. Do you know that one? The parable of the ten virgins. The fourth parable is the parable of the, the talents. Do you know that one? Five talents, three talents, and one talent. Three or two? Two. And the last parable, the fifth one, is the parable of the sheep and goat. Okay? There's five of them. 
Now, the first one is the thief in the night. What does 44 say? If he knew when the, 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 he would, the, the, the stealer would come, he would protect his house. 44. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Tell me, what is the key word here? What is the key word? Be ready. Do you agree with that? The key word here is be ready. We're going to find it later in the parable of the ten virgins. Be ready. Remember that is five parables, two groups, one message. Be ready for Jesus' second coming. Okay? So the key word is be ready. A, a tomois in the Greek. A tomois in the Greek means to prepare to be ready. Right? Because in order to be ready, what do you need to do? To prepare. Right? When you take kids to the school, what do you do? You prepare everything, the lunch pack, the books, the, the, the backpack, everything you prepare so that the kids can go to school. The same way, a tomois is to prepare beforehand so that we can be ready for what's coming ahead. Is that clear? So this is the key word, okay? Be ready is the message. Parable number two, the faithful and the unfaithful servant. It says that the master goes on a journey and he leaves the house under the responsibility of two servants. One servant says, oh, the master is delaying. I'm going to feast and party and all of that. And then I'm going to enjoy my life while the master is away. The second one says, no, I don't know which hour my master is returning, so I better be ready so that in case if he comes, you know, unexpectedly, everything is ready for his arrival. So, what is the message here? The message here is that Jesus is talking about his people. How do we know that he's talking about his people? Because he says, be ready because you don't know which hour your Lord is coming. So who is the audience? The disciples, his people. Otherwise, he wouldn't call them your Lord. Does that make sense? So the message is God's people. Second thing is that this sermon is a prophetic sermon to the end times. You see, I'm rushing a lot. This is a prophetic sermon to the end times. Why prophetic sermon to the end times? When is Jesus' second coming going to happen? At the end time. Some people say, oh no, forget the parables are not prophetic. Excuse me, the parables, these five parables are prophetic. Because they come in the context of Jesus' second coming, of the prophetic signs of Jesus' second coming, which is going to happen at the end time. So what we're talking about is prophecy. They are parables, they are stories, but they are prophetic in nature. Just want to clarify that. So now we need to look at these parables with the eyes of, wow, this is about prophecy. So Jesus is saying that in his people, there's going to be a faithful servant and then a faithful servant. You get that? 
They are servants in the first place. So the context is God's people. Now the question that we need to ask ourselves is, am I a faithful servant or am I an unfaithful servant? This sermon is not to, oh, she is an unfaithful, he is a faithful. No, 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 no. It's not to point fingers it's to, at others, it's to point fingers at ourselves. Who am I? So, the, 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 you know, in God's people, in God's church, unfortunately, there is wits and tears, right? There's faithful servants and unfaithful servants. Do you know that, per, that, that person? Maybe it's yourself. Do you know that kind of people that are always creating problems at church? And you bring a visit and, you know, they're already pointing at the skirt size and, you know, that, that kind of stuff? So, so don't be surprised. There's faithful and unfaithful. There's weeds and there's tears. And then the disciples say, Lord, you want us to go and cut the tears? No, 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 no. Wait until the end. And my angels will do that. They will separate. So what we're trying to say is that there are two groups. Do you see the two groups? What are they? What are they? Faithful and unfaithful. What I forgot to tell you as well, and we don't have time, is that there are also two groups, those who are ready for Jesus' second coming and those who are not. Those who know the hour that he's not the hour, but the time that he's coming, and those who don't. Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, you know, yes, the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. Yes, we don't know the hour he's coming, but we are not children of darkness. That, we sh that, that day should take us surprisingly, as a surprise, surprisingly. So what he's saying is, yes, we don't know the hour is coming, but we know the time frame, the, the period at which Jesus will come. So, going back, there is those who are ready and those who are not ready. There is the faithful servant and there's the unfaithful servant. Now, the third parable is the parable of the ten virgins. Now, if we all know this story, this parable, Remember, it's a prophetic parable because in the context of the second coming, Matthew 24, the signs of the end. is a prophetic parable. Now, Jesus says that there are many versions. Come on. How many versions? Ten. Ten versions. How many versions are waiting for the bridegroom? All. How many have lamps? All. How many have oil? All, all have oil. How many, how many fall asleep? All fall asleep. How many have extra oil? Five extra oil. And then what happens? They are all asleep. And these, these um, lamps that they have is a tiny uh, clay reservoir and with a hole to, to put a, a burning uh, thingy, wood or whatever it is, and then another hole where you can pour the oil in. So it's tiny, small one, and they fall asleep, and what happens? The lamp dies, all right? So that when they hear the shout, we could talk about the shout, but anyway, we'll leave that aside. When they hear the shout, what they need to do? Trim the lamp, clean it, 
pour oil inside, take the old burning thing, put the new one, light it up, and it's ready. But what happened? Only five. Yeah? Have extra oil. Because you need to clean the lamp. You need to take the old oil, the burnt oil, and put new one in order to light it up. So what do the ones that don't have oil, what do they do? They ask the wise, the ones that have oil, and say, give us some of your oil. And they reply, we can't. Because the oil, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, is not shareable. You cannot share it. You either have it or you don't have it. So what do they advise? Go to the city, to the village, and buy from those who sell. And what do they do? They go. Meanwhile they go. The, the bridegroom comes. They go into the wedding feast. The door closes behind. And then what? They return. Right. So they return. How do they manage to return? How do they knew the way? Did they find oil? They must have found oil in order to come back. But the, the, the wise were already in heaven. The Holy Spirit was taken. Where did they get oil from? Uh -oh. Someone else gave them oil. Not the real one. So the two groups, do you see the two groups? The wise and the unwise, those that have extra oil, and those that don't have extra oil. Do you know, what is the key word here? What is the key element in this story? What is the key, what's the key word? Huh? Be ready? You are good Bible students, because it says in verse 10. What does it say? And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready, those who were etoimois, those who have prepared beforehand, they are ready at the crucial time. So the difference is, some were ready, and some were not ready. But all fell asleep, and all woke up. All were waiting for Jesus' second coming. Is this some Gentile thing that Jesus is talking about? No, 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 no. It is his people that are waiting for his second coming. Would that apply to me and you? And if this is a prophetic sermon, is that indeed applying to me and you? Most certainly yes. Right, our time is up. Fourth parable is... Jesus begins to tell us what do we do while we are waiting. Okay? What do we do while we are waiting? Three servants. To the first one he gave five talents. To the second, two talents. And to the third, one talent. And what does the master require? To put the talents into practice. To use the talents that the master gave for the advancement of his cause. So what we are saying now is that there are how many servants? 
three servants, but how many groups? Two groups. Two that used the talents and one that did not use the talents. So we are saying so far is that the trend of two groups is in each of the parables. First, those who were ready, those who were not. Second, the faithful servant and the unfaithful servant. Number three, the wise versions and the unwise versions. And number four, the servants that used the talents and the servants that did not use the talents. The fourth, the fifth parable, the sheep and the goat, is already at Jesus' second coming. Because Jesus says, when I come, when the Son of Man comes, he will separate the two groups. Right? Jesus will separate. And he will say to the ones on the right, well done. Because you've done this, and you've done that, and you've done that, and you've done that, and you've done that. To the other ones, he says, wicked, I don't know you. Because you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't do that, you didn't do that. But wait a second. Isn't salvation by faith? This is works. You've done this, you don't do this. This is works. But salvation is by faith. Yes or no? What we need to understand is that although salvation is by faith, judgment is by works. Let me explain it. You know when the Israelites were in, the, in, the, in Egypt? What does God say? They cried to me. I've heard their cry. And now I came to take them out from slavery and bring them to the promised land. So that God didn't, didn't wait, didn't say, oh, you need to do this and then I'll take you out. No, salvation, redemption is by grace, by faith. But while they were traveling on the, on, in the wilderness, what happened? They were judged by their works. So much so that only two of them entered the promised land. And it wasn't Moses. Do you see the paradigm? The paradigm is that, yes, salvation is by faith. But judgment is by works. We don't have time to explore that. You may be asking, so how doesn't one contradict the other? It doesn't. It doesn't at all. But we'll leave that aside. So what we're trying to say now is that the sheep and the goat, some did and some didn't. How many groups? Two groups. Number one, those who were ready, those who were not ready. Number two, the faithful servant and the unfaithful servant. Number three, the wise versions and the unwise versions. Number four, those who used the talents and those who didn't. And number five, those who did and those who didn't. Do you see the trend? Ask yourself, which group am I? There's two groups. Those who are saved and those who are lost. Those who receive the promise of eternal life and those who will die for eternity. Which group are you in? Which group am I in? There's still time. There's still time to change from one group to the other. If you find yourself in the wrong group, there's still time. But please, ask yourself, which group are you in? Amen. Lord, indeed, we are counting the days until we reach the promised land. But Lord, your word says that there are two groups. And we ask at this moment that 
you examine our lives and give us the strength and the courage as well to examine ourselves so that we can take the decision of being at your right hand in the right group the one inside the city and not the one outside because we understand Lord that if we don't take that decision you're not going to force us into heaven we need to willingly decide to be on your group on your side may you allow us Lord and help us to stand up for Jesus, to stand and live our lives according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.